Hi, this is Jesslyn Etchell, and I'm chatting with some of my favorite women in a series called Wildish Wise Women, Conversations with Everyday Goddesses. It's my passion to connect women and remind us that supporting one another is our greatest strength. These discussions are an extension of the in-person women's circles I lead in the Bay Area, and we'll explore a variety of topics. Thanks for joining us. I have Amber Shoemake here today, and I'm so excited to talk with her. She's going to talk to us about yoga and recovery. Amber is a yoga teacher, and she studied Hatha yoga, forest, and restorative yoga. Her background was a public school teacher who also trained to be a counselor. Amber's a photographer, a writer, and a recovering alcoholic and addict. She's been addicted to many substances and behaviors and is now in long-term recovery. Amber is a wife, a daughter, a sister, and a friend. And she says all these things with equal reverence because her darkest nights have given rise to her most valuable gifts. Hi, Amber. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I can't wait to chat with you. And thank you. I'm just grateful that you're um, willing to talk on this topic because I know that it's a needed one, but also a vulnerable topic to share about. So I really appreciate you. Yes, thank you. I, you know, it, it is the topic that people ask me to speak on the most often, and I always cringe a little bit, like, oh, but then it's it's it is so needed because I know whenever I was really struggling in the depths of my addiction, it was seeing people who were thriving in recovery that actually gave me the courage to um, walk that path myself. So oh, I'm happy to pay it forward. <laughs> so wonderful. Well, let's just take a few moments to just settle into this space together, and whoever's listening just by taking a couple deep breaths. So just an inhale through the nose, a nice sigh, exhale. A couple more like that. And may each woman who needs the wisdom of this call find her way here. May we speak from the heart and create a wave of peace that radiates out on a global level. May each woman remember her sacred nature and feel the value of her presence in this world. Amber, what's your favorite thing about being a woman? (laughs) My favorite thing about being a woman. You know, I think as women, maybe this is stereotypical, but my favorite thing about being a woman is is the nurturing presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the other day I, I had a client send me an email, a photography client, cause I do that. And she said at the end of her email, she said, you know, you made the shoot so much fun. I forgot to even enjoy my tea. It was, you were so warm and inviting. And for me, that was like such a beautiful compliment because it's anytime someone comes into my presence, I want them to feel warm and welcomed and nurtured, mm-hmm. um, and so I don't know why I attach that with femininity, but, but I do, even though, of course, um, you know, my father is very nurturing as well. And I know that it, you know, it's that defi- divine feminine presence, I suppose. Yeah, which men can have as well. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nice. You were her cup of tea. You made her feel like the tea <laughs> would have. <laughs> that's a lovely yeah. compliment. <laughs> yeah. So often people come in for a photo shoot and they're like in a rush and I'm like, hold on, let's sit down and have some tea. Kind of like you just did with that, that, that it, setting that intention, you know, and I think it's, it's just the ritual of um, 
understanding why we're getting together instead of just getting right to it, getting right down to business. Yeah. Sometimes I get excited. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> but that part does, it just centers everything. So, well, I would love to just start with you sharing a little bit about your story, your story with recovery and, you know, addiction and then recovery and yoga and, and really just however it feels true to you today and whatever you want to share. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, that, uh, you know, amendment, however it feels true to me today, because it's always evolving, you know? Yeah. Um, there were a lot of years where people would say, where I just never believed I was an alcoholic. I never believed I was an addict. I just thought I enjoyed partying. <laughs> and, um, mm -hmm. and at this point in my life, I, I know that in my heart, that's not the truth anymore. And so I think a huge part of my yoga practice, you know, yoga... In one of the sutras, it talks about how um, about how ignorance is the inability to discern between the truth and the false, mm -hmm. and that's what yoga continues to do for me. And the path to recovery is pull back the veil so that I can I can get real about what's going on and capital R real like yeah. <laughs> capital capital T truth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so my my path to here is it's I don't know it's maybe a little different than some. Um, I, I grew up in a home that was, it was fairly dysfunctional, but no alcoholism in, in the, in the house, no active alcoholism. But I, I can recall, um, at the, at a very young age, like binging on cookies. I mean, I just, I knew, um, early on that a lot of my feelings were inconvenient and mostly it was anxiety, loneliness, um, fear of, of validation, I guess, or, you know, not experiencing validation. And so I can remember at a very young age eating like a whole package of cookies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure I could still do that today. Like the Girl Scouts were out the other day. I was like, nope, I'm not even stopping there. But um, <laughs> so that that's my first experience of addiction. And um, just knowing that that filled me up differently than I, and, and so I think all of my addiction has stemmed from a desire to, to fill the void. And, um, and by the time I was 12, I, I can still recall the, f the first night I had a drink, it was red wine at a black tie dinner with my dad. I was wearing a formal black dress. Um, I was 12 years old. My sister was 10 and it was the three of us there. I just saw, I just visited my dad in San Diego last weekend and I saw the picture and it brought back to me the very first memory of drinking. And I know that it was extremely powerful. Um, the first sip I had, I remember how awful it tasted. And yet I remember thinking I'm going to get drunk because I just, that, that first rush of putting that drug into my system and how it warmed me inside out. Um, I know I, I, I can remember all of my inhibitions being loosened. I thought I was, I had arrived and I was very shy and introverted as a child. And I remember loving my sister in a way that I'd never felt comfortable expressing. Um, she and I were never close growing up. And I just remember like, it was as if everything had just been uh, lifted and the volume had been turned down on my anxiety and the volume had been turned up on, on just the joy and the inhibition. And 
Um, yeah, that sounds pretty appealing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay, so then I'll tell you what happened. Um, the, yeah. next, the next morning, I remember waking up and puking like horribly. And I remember my mom coming in. My parents were separated at the time and they later divorced. I remember my mom coming in and saying, honey, what's wrong? And, um, you know, offering me something. And, um, and I remember as I was puking thinking, oh, my God, I feel horrible. This is awful. But I couldn't wait to go do it again. Like, I, there was just a part of me that just couldn't wait to go drink again. And, I mean, that was at 12 years old. And I, I don't know. I, I drank from that point forward as much and as often as I could uh, until the age of, mm, I'd say 20, I'm 32 now, 27. At 27, I... I I stopped drinking briefly. And then at 30, I, I stopped drinking for what I hope is the last time. Um, but that, that alcohol addiction, um, it, it was always the strongest. I, I struggled with other things like eating disorders, um, bulimic tendencies, anorexic tendencies. Um, I, I think but the alcohol was like clearly my drug of choice. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I managed it pretty, pretty well. I, I mean, I, I worked full t like part time during high school and full time during college. And, um, I, I got married at, at a very young age at 19. And when I was getting divorced, um, at the age of 25, that is when it really became evident to me how much I like to drink. It was the first time I'd ever been alone. I'm the oldest of four children. And so I grew up in a, in a large home. And, and because there was some chaotic, um, uh, the atmosphere in my home was pretty chaotic growing up. I was kind of called on to help with my siblings. Um, and I felt called to protect them at times. And so I felt like always the responsible one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when I moved out and, and was getting divorced and living on my own, there was no one there to tell me like that I needed to stop drinking. And so I just really started drinking every single night. It just it went from um, vodka soda to vodka on the ice to just vodka straight out of the, the freezer. Mm -hmm. uh, and I eventually would start drinking it hot and, and passing out. And, um, and still I got up every morning and went to work. I was teaching English at the time, which is horrifying to think about now. Um, but I, I just, I, I, because I could function, I thought, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Alcoholics live under bridges. Alcoholics don't have their house. Look how great I am. I'm still, I'm still managing it so well. Yeah. And um, at that point, you know, you get little, in, or I got little intuitive hits. I call it the grace of God that just said, you can't go on like this. And um, I felt called to go to Anna Forrest's yoga teacher training in L.A. one summer. It was 27 days, and the rules were no alcohol, no drugs, no caffeine, no wow. sugar. No sugar, whoa. Yeah, it was basically like all of your addictive tendency foods you have to, to eliminate for the next 27 days. And had you taken yoga up to this point or did you just say teacher training? <laughs> just go for no, it. <laughs> no, I, I had taken yoga. Bikram was my first experience with yoga. I, I live in Fort Worth, Texas and, and I grew up not, you know, in a, just a suburb of it. So we didn't back in this, th I started practicing yoga 13 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, in, in my, um, undergraduate experience uh, in college and at that time, we only had, we had Bikram yoga and we had like one Hatha studio. 
Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I started practicing it, you know, um, it was practicing yoga was what was the impetus to get me to leave my marriage. Eventually I, I knew the marriage was, was not good. And, um, I just kept, I think denial started or the yoga began to loosen the grip of the denial of how bad that marriage was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, w- I was practicing yoga, but I was kind of like smoking a cigarette before I walked in and, um, and you know, drinking the night before. And, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah, I was certainly practicing yoga and, and it, but it didn't keep me from, from my other outside <laughs> behaviors. Yeah. So the, the NFORS training was, uh, you had to stop all of those things. Yes. And um, I remember standing in DFW airport um, security. It was 2011, I believe. And um, I was sobbing. I just think that the fear of the unknown was so great. And I just knew I hadn't been sober since around the age of 12 for longer than a a couple days. Maybe I'd done a cleanse or something here and there. (laughs) And, uh, and so I was terrified. I remember sobbing and like to the point I was just like, Oh, maybe I'm making a huge mistake. But at the same time, knowing this is going to change my life. And um, and it did. <laughs> yeah. I bet that was intense. I mean, doing a 27 day yoga, anything is going to be intense no matter what, or no matter who you are. <laughs> yes. And I do want to say that I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I would suggest that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice disclaimer. Yeah. You kind of just went right into uh, the fire. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes people will hear my story and they go, well, I need to go study with Anna Forrest. And I mean, and, and, and she's an incredible teacher and I'm grateful to her in many ways. But, um, if you drink alcohol the way that I did, I'm not sure that detoxing off of alcohol in that manner is healthy. I mean, I, you know, a rehabilitation, a treatment center, those are the kind of things that I would suggest for someone that yeah. was in my position. But, but I just saw it as a way to change my behavior. And, it, and, and I, you know, I experienced a little bit of withdrawals, but nothing um, that, you know, I'm, I'm still here. So, but, yeah. I, but again, I, I would advise people to be cautious with with um, how they withdraw from certain substances. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Can I interject a question or did you want to keep going? Because I feel like maybe that's not the end of your story. (laughs) Oh, well, no, it is not. But um, (laughs) it's up to you. I mean, well, I'll just say that I, I, we had a, we had the 27 day training. Um, and that was enough to, I mean, I, I stayed sober for the length of that. However, there is a photo of me on the first night I returned home with a glass of red wine in my hand. And from that point forward, there was a huge shift for me where I knew I couldn't go back to drinking vodka. It was just such a a powerful drug to me. And I thought, well, maybe I can drink wine, like socially, like a lady, you know, like, like they did at that black tie dinner that I got so yeah, wasted. I was going to say that was very sophisticated. <laughs> First drink is like, you know, a nice Syrah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I went back to drinking and mm, I, I definitely didn't drink at the, at the intensity that I once did, but part of it was because I really, my body wasn't tolerating alcohol anymore. I, w- I would get migraines. I would throw up. I, I was just really not good at drinking anymore. And yet I didn't really know how to live my life without coming home at the end of the day and having a drink. And so finally, um, on the last day of September, 2013, I decided maybe October is the month I'll finally get sober. 
and I enlisted a few of my friends who were in long-term recovery to help me. And uh, I remember my partner and some of my family members saying, why are you going to get sober now? Like, you seem to be managing it fine. Like, you're not, you're not uh, suicidal anymore. You're not um, going to the hospital with dehydration. Like, you're, you, some of the really weird behaviors have subsided. So it seems like kind of too late, <laughs> maybe, or why, why bother? Yeah. And um, I just knew that if I kept drinking it was remo- it was it was sucking all of the joy out of everything that i loved to do I, I returned home to a career i loved where i was teaching yoga almost full time doing photography i was living the dream i'd always wanted with the partner i've always loved and yet i'd wake up in the morning and dread my life uh and and so i i i knew i thought this is i think this is what's causing it i'm just going to cut out alcohol for a little while and see if i feel better and um so i've been doing that one day at a time for the last, you know, um, two, two plus years. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's really where, you know, that's where I lead you to present day. (laughs) That's where I am now. Yeah. Well, my question was, um, what about yoga was so healing? I mean, I know that's not what did it a hundred percent, but I know that you attribute a lot of your recovery and your wellness to yoga. And so was it a certain quality of yoga or just the way it made you feel? Mm. That's a great question. I think the breath is the quickest way to change how we feel. Yeah. And when we sat down and you said, let's take a couple breaths and a couple sighs, immediately I felt my body shift. You know, I'd been, I'd been driving around. I, I've, I've been going since 7 a.m. this morning. And finally I got to sat down, sit down and take a few conscious breaths. And suddenly everything seemed a little less intense. Um, and so the, the breathing, whether it's, you know, pranayama practice or just mindful and conscious breathing has been tremendously healing. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was also specifically back when I was practicing Bikram yoga and forest yoga. And, uh, at this point I, I practice a blend, but I still really enjoy quote unquote advanced postures like handstands and arm balances, um, deep back bends that quicken the blood, that, um, the, the intensity, it it just, I think the intent, I think I kind of crave intensity and, um, and so they, they're exhilarating and they're fun and challenging. And, and so that, that has been a huge part of my yoga practice. Sometimes if I'm feeling a little, a little depressed or a little down, which is, is part of my story too. There's a lot of mental illness in my, in my family. Um, I, I just, I know, I asked myself, when was the last time I practiced some really fun yoga? You know, like <laughs> when, was the, when was the last time I got on my mat and just got a little crazy and let myself be, be creative? And usually the answer is it was too long ago. I need to, need to make time for that. And, um, so the, the breath and then the, the poses and also the discipline of doing the same thing every day. Uh, the ritual um, discipline kind of has a negative connotation, but it is a di- discipline. Recovery is a discipline. Yeah, um, I said one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. I'm not going to drink for the rest of my life. It's I'm not going to drink till midnight tonight. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm going to be in bed by then. So, uh, yeah. It, so yeah, the the breath, the the actual asana, and then um, you know my yoga practice has also led me on a path of spiritual. I just my appetite for the spiritual is so large because when I was in active in my addiction, I was completely bankrupt 
Um, not, not necessarily financially. I mean, I, I was, I had some debt, but it wasn't, I wasn't losing my house or anything. Um, but just spiritually bankrupt, just completely disconnected from anything bigger than myself and, uh, and to completely disconnected from my loved ones. And so much of what I've been doing in the last couple of years is to amend some of those relationships. And it, it's not that I did anything to harm those people specifically, but I just wasn't there. You know, I just got married in November and we've been together eight years. And, um, I, and I went to her and I said, look, I, I'm just sorry that I wasn't present for so many of those eight years. Yeah. <laughs> and all the times you had to take care of the house and the dog and me and, you know, I was just said that wasn't really fair. And of course she had no resentment about it and, uh, just said, you know, I love you and that's part of our path and whatever. But, um, and then you loved her even more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. So yeah, the, the, the discipline of, of going, rolling, unrolling the mat every day, the, the breath. And then also I, I think the yoga, my yoga practice was the first place that I learned to practice trusting. And I think trust precedes faith because I knew that when I rolled out my mat, 99.9% .9 of the time, when I rolled it back up, I was going to feel better than when I rolled it out. Oh, and isn't so that, that a great guarantee? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish everything in life was like that. You know, yeah. you put some money down on something and you, you're like 99.9% .9 sure you're going to get it back in some return or whatever. You do some, put something out into the world and offering and, you know, people are going to love it, but you just, you never, we don't get that sort of um, guarantee. There's so much mystery. And so yoga simultaneously teaches us to embrace the mystery. We don't know how the practice is going to go. You know, we don't, I don't know where it's going to end up. Even when I'm teaching the class, I don't know how it's going to unfold. Right. Uh, and yet, it, you know, it is going to, it's going to unfold exactly as it should. And um, I'm going to feel better. And, you know, and that's, that's a beautiful gift. So. Absolutely. So what are some of your daily practices that keep you well? So obviously I'm guessing that yoga is in there, but what else does it look like for you? How do you um, shape your day so that you're supported. Uh, meditation has become a huge part of my practice. Mm -hmm. And I think the universe had to offer me some opportunities to really get serious about my meditation. I had um, two major car accidents last year where I, a lot of the asanas were not possible. I mean, I, I had whiplash really badly. And and so I was losing my mind because yoga is a huge part of keeping my mind sane, you know, creating space between myself and, and the thoughts in my head. Yeah. And um, so there were there was a stretch of several months where it was just me and my meditation. And I was not a big meditator up until that point. I mean, maybe five or ten minutes here and there. Uh, and so I, it really gave me the opportunity to practice some different styles of meditation. And um, one that I got really into, and I think – my experience with you and, um, and Ed Esselin kind of touches on that. I got really into Japa meditation, doing the mala. Oh, yeah. And so I do meditate pretty much every day. You know, occasionally a day passes where I wake up late or I have too much to do or something. And uh, in which case I make whatever I'm doing in the morning my meditation. So if I'm prepping meals, I'm, I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I'm feeling the food that I'm chopping. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be present where my hands are. But most mornings I sit down for 20 minutes and um, if the thoughts are just really spewing, which they usually are, I don't know how that happens. I sleep for eight hours and then suddenly I wake up to like just 
a, a barrage of, of thoughts. I'll I'll write for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll either I'll either start with like uh, Julia Cameron's morning pages, and I'll just stream of consciousness consciousness write for ten fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Or I'll write a gratitude list. If I'm feeling like really woe is me, which sometimes that's what my disease looks like. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't have enough or, you know, whatever. This isn't going the way it should be. Yeah. Um, I'll write a gratitude list and that immediately puts me back um, in touch with with the many blessings in my life. So I'll, I'll maybe write something down for a few minutes and then, and then I'll sit for 20 minutes. Um, and if I don't, if I have time between then, I'll practice some yoga before I sit for 20 minutes. That's my favorite way. Like if I, if I have enough time, I'll, I'll practice a, a shortened version of what I'm going to teach that day and, um, or what I think I'm going to teach that day depending on who's, who arrives to my class. Uh-huh. And then I'll sit for the last 20 minutes. I don't really take a shavasana. I don't lay back down in the morning. I just I take a 20-minute meditation and uh, it might be japa chanting. That's a great one for me when my mind is crazy. I love the Sanskrit mantras. They're just so. The, I think the energy of them is so powerful. And um, or I did I did meta meditation for a long time to get over some um, some forgiveness issues. May you be happy. May you be free. May you be peaceful and at ease. And um, or just you know sitting and breathing. And um, insight meditation, just listening for the the voice of whatever power, intuitive wisdom um, is within. Yeah, sounds lovely. And for you, it's morning time is important. That's when you do it. It really is. It really is for me. I wish I was more dedicated at night, too. It would be great if I said I came home at the end of the day and did something similar, but not yet. I've been, I'm the same, I'm in the exact same <laughs> spot. I'm like, I'm ready to add an evening meditation. Maybe not. I think I'll just go to bed. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Glad I'm not in it alone with that one. Yeah. Well, because this podcast is, has a focus on women, I'm curious what unique struggles do you think that women have when it comes to addiction and recovery? Mm. I mean, I know you can only speak to you and maybe what you've observed, but I'm just guessing that there are some things that women deal with that that perhaps um, men don't. You know, I think a big one, I I a lot of times say that I'm in recovery from perfectionism and people pleasing. Um, Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, someone brought to my attention the other day, it was someone who's not sober, um, but you know, is kind of maybe toe dipping in those waters. And I've been privileged to help some people get sober and it's a beautiful gift for me. I mean, it makes me realize that the dark stuff I've experienced, it qualifies me to help others who are experiencing (laughs) similar things. Yeah. and so thank goodness it wasn't all for nothing, I guess, you know, I mean, cause sometimes I think, gosh, what would have happened if I would have got sober at like 20, you know, I mean, uh, because my life is so great at this point, but anyways, that, that's a, you know, we, it, we, we're ready when we're ready. But, um, so I, I say I'm in recovery from perfectionism and people pleasing because when I was drinking, you know, nobody really expects much from the party girl. <laughs> you spend a lot of time hungover and just, you know, I mean, so even though I was functioning, like that gave me an excuse not to be everything to everybody. You know, at the end of the week when I was tired and I'd been working hard, I, I could just let myself loose and, and not have to worry about anything else. And so as I've, as I've gotten sober, I've, I've realized that um, saying no is okay. And it's a complete sentence. Um, 
and that also when we talked in the beginning about what's true and what's real, just because something's true for me doesn't mean it's true for everyone else. And that's okay. Um, especially with some of the people close to me, I'll want them to see my side and, and for my truth to be their truth and, or, you know, them not to be disappointed in me when I, when I take care of myself and choose not to go to an event or not to take a job or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, understanding the duality of, of what's true for them, that's their reality, that's okay. And what's true for me, that's my reality, and that's okay. And um, I think for a long time I, I, had, I had tried to plug myself into a role that I thought society or whomever wanted me to be, the imaginary they that you know tells me what to do. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know if men deal with that as much. Uh, and... I, so I, I think that that's something that that has fueled my addiction, or at least been an underlying component of it. Um, just wanting to get away from 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 having the pressure of needing to do it all right, needing to do it all, and needing to do it all right. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not the first time that it's come up in the interviews I've been doing. So I think that you're correct in and that it's uh, perhaps a unique. Uh, plight for women. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So you're about to launch a yoga for recovery class. Is that correct? Yeah, we had the first session last Sunday. Oh, and amazing. And it's the first time you've done something like that, right? Well, it's the first time I've done it in a yoga studio. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm thought... wondering why now, because I'm guessing that you've thought of it and it's it's been brewing, but what's unique about the timing right now? Well, I don't know that I would have been ready to do it on this broad of a scale uh, when I was newly sober. Yeah. I mean, I'm still pretty newly sober. A couple of years is, is not a huge amount of time. But, right. but if I had like 30 days or something, I would feel like, oh, I'm not qualified to do this. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, for the past five years, I've... I've remained pretty sober-ish <laughs> for the past two years, uh, two plus years. I've been I've been completely sober, like stone cold sober. I've even given up sugar at this point. Like it's like it's really um, it's, it's really, real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so there's that. There's the timing of that. But honestly, one of the women who is um, she's a she's in charge of the, the local college drug and alcohol treatment um, and recovery. Uh, council she she came to me and she said you know I'd been teaching in the church basement to some of the kids in recovery there at the college and she said you know we really enjoy you coming but I just thought what about opening them up to like coming to a studio where the environment is just so much more zen Mm -hmm. and um, the owners of my studio where I am now which I just moved seven months ago to this new studio that we've opened soul space yoga community um, recovery is very close to their hearts and they, I, I just thought, Oh, I can ask them if they would be willing. And, and she, the woman in charge at, at the college, she said, I have investors if we need money to reserve the space and you know, would you be interested? And so it kind of just unfolded organically like that. And the studio owner said, no, do it after your restorative class. Nobody's going to be using the studio at that time. We are so thrilled for you to do this. And, um, it was a beautiful experience to see some of those familiar faces come in to a studio where it's just the design of the studio is beautiful and uh, the environment you can't help but feel more relaxed being in the presence of the space and um, and so I, I think just kind of having others be like yes there's a need for this there's a desire for this let me help you um, 
has made it just, it just, it all happened pretty easily. Oh, Even though right, right before the beginning of the year, I put one of my intentions for the year. I said, I want to teach at least once a week to a population who couldn't afford it or don't have access to yoga or people in recovery. And it appeared like, like magic as it so often does when we, when we put something on the page. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was. Awesome. Well, I would like um, for you to share, uh, what, it, what would you say to someone who's, who's struggling right now, who maybe wants to get started on a path of recovery, but isn't quite sure where to start? I mean, what's the baby step? What would you say? Hmm. I would say that uh, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, it's okay. So uh, what I would say is you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, being the oldest of four children, being that I put myself through graduate school, still drinking, being that I owned my own business, that I was pretty successful to the outside world, what it thinks of as a success. I couldn't understand why I couldn't stop drinking without help. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. My strong will and my intelligence, I prided myself on all of this. And so really I needed the help of other people who were in sobriety, the community sense, um, to, to help me. And so I would say, who do you know who's sober? Who's, you know, who, if, if, if you don't know anybody, find a local um, 12-step fellowship, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or, or, or Narcotics Anonymous, or um, they have the, those 12-step programs for a number of different issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that might be a resource. Other people who can, who can tell you what they did and you can, you know, and share with you how they got sober. And then, and then the other thing is, I think... Um, it is a it is a one day at a time journey, at least for me. I mean, after about thirty days of not drinking, the obsession with drinking was pretty much removed. It just it was out of my system, and I I was feeling so much better. And I, very, rarely do I ever think, oh, I think I'll have a drink. I just I have a life today that I don't even aspire to try to screw up with with something else, <laughs> um, but. But yeah, I think, I think community, there was, there's a huge, there's a beautiful video of, you know, they say, well, they give, uh, uh, it's, it's basically all about how community makes all the difference with addiction and recovery. And I'm a big believer in that. And that's why I'm creating this class on Sunday nights, because we need more community we need to be around other people who are thriving in recovery. Um, so that's awesome. Well, if you, if you send me the link to the video, I can add it to the Okay, I'll find Absolutely, I'll find yeah. it. It's, it's really cool. Awesome. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask or that you would like to share that we didn't cover? Hmm. I think um, I would like to just say one thing I, that – so much of addiction in my mind, uh, there's a guy named Thomas Keating. He, he writes about addiction. He writes about centering prayer, which kind of relates to meditation. It's kind of uh, like the Christian version of meditation, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how all addiction stems from one of three uh, needs that weren't met. And the first one is power or control. Um, and the second one is security or survival. And the third one is um, approval and esteem. And so I think the reason we need that community in order to, 
I mean, I, 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 I can be happy not drinking without any help at this point. Like in the beginning, it was a little challenging, but, it, but, but at this point, I mean, I, I cannot drink, but if I want to be happy and, and, uh, you know, and moving in a direction of spiritual evolution, I need the help of others who are further along the path than I am. And, um, because the problem wasn't just the drinking, it was those unmet needs for power and control, security and survival, esteem, uh, approval and validation. And, and so it's, it's getting to the root of why we need these substances to feel good. And, um, that's what a life of recovery has, has, has done for me. It's, it's taught me about okay, well, I don't need to look to cookies to fill me up. I don't need to look to alcohol to, to change the way I feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's helped me embrace the full spectrum of experience and feeling. And in our society, there's a big push, like we should be happy. Um, but, you know, pain is a, is a part of life. And so it's with sobriety, I've been able to, I experience things so much more quickly. Things just pass so much more quickly. I'm not stuffing them inside. I'm not having to re-experience them for years at a time. Um, I can just let life move through me. And so, I don't know, that's just kind of <laughs> what I'd what I'd like to kind of say because so many times people say well it's not about the alcohol and I'm like no it's not <laughs> yeah no that was great I hadn't heard um I mean I, I agree with the power and control it immediately made me think of domestic violence because that's what the power and control wheel is over there but yes. <laughs> and yes. oftentimes that that's uh you know substances are, are involved in that kind of a situation as well so Absolutely. And yeah, I imagine the other stuff would apply as well. Anytime we're in pain, um, we look to, to stop that pain. And if it's lashing mm-hmm. out or doing something that's not healthy for ourselves, yeah, I think we can all relate to that on some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would like to just ask you a few unrelated questions just for fun. Um, sure. What's yeah. one book that changed your life? Mm. One that's hard. I'm gonna say a return to love by Marianne Williamson. Oh, that's a good one. Just the I'm gonna find that book. It's on my shelf somewhere. I need to find it. It's dog-eared and tattered, but uh, every time I read that book something new arises and I go, oh yes. And the other day I was teaching meditation at the end of the meditation. One of my students said, you know that book by Marianne Williamson? I said, which one? He said, he said, return to love. He says, she talks about how our service to the world is to be happy, to be full of joy. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times I think, who am I to try to change the world? I'm just one person out here in Fort Worth, Texas. Just, you know, I'm like, <laughs> like, no, I don't have any. I mean, and the, and the truth is, I, I mean, I am just one person. But at the same time, um, showing up, with joy in the world is such a gift. <laughs> so, yeah. so her, her book, I mean, that, that's just one little snippet from it, but there's a zillion beautiful, beautiful things in that book. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, and what's your favorite yoga pose? Mm. <laughs> um, I love back bends. I, I love them. Uh, right now I'm really enjoying, uh, 
I'm really enjoying camel for the first time in my life. Oh, well, that's fun. <laughs> uh, I, I never liked camel. Uh, and since I've re- rehabilitated myself and with, well, I shouldn't say myself. I've worked with a lot of different people to help me, like chiropractors and Reiki people and mm-hmm. um, yoga teachers and you know, physical therapists. Um, but as a result of those car accidents. But uh, so through that practice of, of bringing back these poses, some of the more simple poses have become so sweet because I, I couldn't do them for a while. And so, and also learning to do them with more integrity so that I'm not, I was always crunching in my lower back in camel and now I can work it where it's opening my chest and doing what it's supposed to do. And it feels amazing. So, awesome. uh, and it's cool that I've been practicing that pose for 13 years. And finally, <laughs> finally, I'm like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> That's the beauty of yoga, isn't it? So amazing. It can just change. Oh, and do you have a favorite quote? Ah, uh, favorite quote. So many. Hmm. Let's see. Let me think for a second. Well, I'll just give you the most recent one that I returned to. Um, was the uh, the Rumi poem, The Guest House. I, I love poetry because I, I taught English for six years. And so um, I love poetry. I love Mary Oliver. I love Rumi. I love um, uh, Anne Sexton and, um, you know, Robert Frost and all the classics I, I, I love, but Rumi's poem, the guest house, I think really sums up addiction because, um, it talks about inviting every emotion in as if it's a visitor, even if that emotion is cleaning you out. Um, here, I'm just going to read it. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> the guest house. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And so I just, I love that it, it invites us to embrace what we're feeling, to realize it's going to change every day. I mean, over the course of a week, think about how many different emotions we experience and um, to invite them in knowing that uh, you know, they could be clearing us out for something even more beautiful. It's sometimes, you know, through the sorrow and the shame and the pain, that's how I've really felt like I've learned about joy and love, true, unconditional love. And so it's like the opposite gives rise to, to the other. And oh, That's so lovely. It makes me think of Brene Brown. She talks about how we numb everything. And when we numb, oh, yeah. we can't numb. We can't selectively numb. We can't say like, <laughs> totally. oh, I just want to numb this part that sucks. Like we just numb yeah. all. And then we don't, yeah. yeah, we miss out on the best of life. 
when you asked me my favorite book, I was kind of going back and forth between some of Brene's and because <laughs> I love her books too. They've been really healing for me, all yeah, of them. She's wonderful. And I love her because she's a social worker. So sure. Really yeah. She's, my... she, she's a Texan too. Ah, <laughs> excellent. She's got it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for sharing. I really appreciate it. And I know that someone out there is listening and is, is helped and healed by your words. So I really appreciate your time and your story and um, you. congrats to a living life and, and being, being in joy. Thank you so much. And thanks for putting this together. I think it's so inspiring that you're just going after it and following and bringing together all these amazing um, speakers. Well, I'm excited. It's been super fun. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Okay.